Mm-mm. No, ma'am. <laughs> Start that over. <laughs> I'm gonna leave it in just for you. Do <laughs> you you gotta give me some energy, child? Because hello, Dina. Thank you. You're the perky one. Hey, April. Hey, girl. Hey, listen. I'm mm. on the struggle bus. Not see, sis. But I'm here. You're, you're here. You ain't gonna sing. Oh, we know you're not feeling good if you ain't gonna take the opportunity to sing something. Mm-mm. Wow, Mm-mm. my boo boo's sick, y'all, for real. Um, I'm not really sick. I just, you know, I had a um, what you call what you call it when you're playing football? It's an audible. Hmm. Hmm. Had a flag on the play. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, I'm recovering this morning, so okay. And it was well. not the type of flag on the plate that we enjoy, folks. Let me tell you, that. right, right. So what's going on with you and your on your side of the world, Miss D? Nothing much. Oh man, I forgot to tell you. We won't have to go into that. Y'all know how I feel about this Polly Pocket. But my son went back to school, and then I got a nice little email on Thursday that um someone had has COVID so anyway he's back home um no they actually said that he did not have to quarantine um the email was kind of weird but he didn't have to quarantine but and they didn't even suggest that he get tested unless he had symptoms but you know, you are in about. a district that's requiring masks of the kids. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And they, they, you know, some of these people are mad, but, it's but yeah, we've, we've talked about my son enough to know that homeboy was like, um, I need a test in the morning. Oh, so he went and got his test. So we, we went yesterday morning and got a test. So waiting for the results. He hasn't had any symptoms. He, you know, he's fully vaccinated. No, but he, and he, he don't play was about one who mask. was like, them, them kids, I don't feel with them kids. Listen. <laughs> He been fussing and like this close to cussing all week. Why people walking around with their nose not in the mask? Like what? Anyway, so yeah. But that you know, our dear friend Sharon has also been going through it as a pediatrician. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. She been going through it. I bless her heart. She. I don't Mm -hmm. know how she ain't got COVID yet for all the stuff that she's dealing with because she works for um state health in her in her state. So. Y'all, fat meat is indeed greasy. So anyway, (laughs) okay. But anyway, so um, it's an exciting day. I need to really drum up that excitement. I told you. Come here. I'm really excited. We, we, I love when we have a special guest. Yes, yes. And today, and she she bringing the energy. Like I like her. She, you know, (laughs) I've known our guest for a, a few years now, I think, and. You're right. You, you've known her for a few minutes and you see mm-hmm. that she brings the energy. I love it. I love it. She, she will compensate for me today. <laughs> I got you. I got you. I got you. <laughs> I want to introduce to our listeners, Dr. Canty. Mm-hmm. Hi, mm-hmm. doctor. Yes. You can call me Jamie because, you know, we have the doctor, but at the end of the day, I'm still Jamie, that awkward black girl from North Carolina. So, oh. <laughs> uh, shout out to Issa. <laughs> shout out to Issa. Hey. Shout Miss out to Issa Jamie from North Carolina. Whereabouts in North Carolina, Miss Jamie? Um, two places. So, because I'm a military brat, mm-hmm. 
So Fayetteville was where we were anchored and grounded. And then when my dad retired, we moved to Raleigh. So, and oh. then from Raleigh went to Greensboro where I went to school, but we won't get to that since we okay. don't talk about it later. So interesting. <laughs> you were a military brat that didn't have to hop all over the world. Daddy just came home. Right. Yeah. That's cool. That's yeah. the way to do it. Mm-hmm. That's the way to do it. Well, my dad did a... Okay, so my parents, long story short, my parents were married before they had kids. So they did all their traveling, like the stereotypical military traveling while they were married. So by the time, you know, I came around and I'm the second child. Um, by the time I came around, my dad was high ranking. So we didn't have to travel as I much. See. That's what's up. So that's part of the reason why that's what's up. We didn't, I didn't really have to travel. There was at one point we thought we were gonna be in California, and my brother was thrilled because you know he's a he was born in California because he was part of their kind of movement. Mm-hmm. Um, so he was excited. But for me, I was like, I do not want to leave. I'm mm-hmm. grounded. So me and my brother are completely different in that way. I don't like change and he does. Mm-hmm. So we're very different in that way. So he was, but then he got, he was an E, he, he retired as a, like an E8. Mm-hmm. And so he was pretty high ranking. So mm-hmm. I've never heard anybody tell that story with mm-hmm. being like a military brat. So that's that's yeah. what's up. Shout out to yeah. your parents. That's planning. Shout out right to there. my parents. Listen, that's shout out to James and Marilyn. You know, right. <laughs> <laughs> they knew they they knew what they were doing in terms mm-hmm. of you know getting married and being married for a few years and then having kids. Right. Mm-hmm. right. So this is a conversation that Dina and I have wanted to have for a while, but we felt like we needed some levity. Uh, Come on, levity. <laughs> And some balance, <laughs> some balance. So, um, and it, the the topic kind of resurfaced a couple, a few episodes ago when we were talking about uh, who were we talking about with Nicole Hannah Jones, Dina? Um, it was Rachel from we were um, about Rachel Lindsay, Lindsay, mm-hmm. and her experience as the first Black Bachelorette, mm-hmm. and basically being a Black woman, you know, navigating the world in this white space. Uh-huh. And Dina made a correlation between her and Nicole Hannah Jones, who was in the news at that time, because mm-hmm. she had recently um, announced that she was going to be tenured at uh, Howard mm-hmm. University. Mm-hmm. And so it was very interesting because um, she wrote a whole article explaining the whole situation. Right. And it. Mm-hmm. Like a true and, academician. Um, and mm-hmm. it was very interesting. Nobody, absolutely nobody writes a whole article. That's the <laughs> academic life. So what we do. <laughs> it was very, very deep, ex- ex- extensive, you know, going into the whole scenario, how she had prepared to go to UNC and how, you know, she was solicited and, and she didn't want to, and then she agreed to. And then and she's a graduate. Then, I mean, she's an alumna of unc mm-hmm. so of course you know she had an affinity right, for right. The school absolutely absolutely mm-hmm. so before we even started spike sweet tea i recall having a, a interesting uh conversation with a lady in one of the facebook groups i'm in and it was in response to a video that had been shot by this girl at, at harvard and how she went to Harvard from Tennessee. She knew that, you know, um, 
it was going to be an interesting experience, but in her young naive mind, she thought mm-hmm. that Harvard is up north. And so mm-hmm. I won't deal as much racism that I deal with mm-hmm. here in Tennessee. I won't encounter that up at Harvard. Yeah. And okay. she was in for a rude awakening. Her parents didn't yeah. prepare her, but right. Know. So she made an, a, a video where someone recorded her talking about, you know, how she is, you know, influencing change up at Harvard and the BC, the BSU and, you know, all the different Black-centered um, opportunities and organizations that she's participating in. And someone had commented there about, you know, Black people can't go into these white spaces and complain when they have alternatives. Mm-hmm. And similarly, mm-hmm. we saw a comment along those same lines when someone was talking about Nicole Hannah-Jones. Mm-hmm. And they were right. like, she wanted to be there. That's what we think he was going to get. No, Howard, she took away the opportunity from another professor at Howard. And, you know, mm-hmm. she, uh, we don't want them sloppy seconds, yada, mm-hmm. yada, yada. So right. Dina and I both graduated from PWIs. Mm. and in our minds you know sure hbcus are great but you know pwis have things to offer black students also and it's a matter of choice or preference or you know whatever and i don't personally Uh think that people should be disparaged for not going to an hbcu and i don't want to speak for dina i'll let her comment on her thoughts on all of that yeah, no, that's that's basically it. And I don't know if we want to get into that now. Like I always say that I went to um a PWI under duress. Like it it was not, not duress. My, yes, yes, it was not my first choice. Like when cuz back when look, back when we were youngsters, you know, we kind of only applied to one, two, maybe three schools. Like yeah, these right. kids apply to like all these schools. But that right. wasn't what we were doing. Right. So I only applied to um, Georgia State because my my parents wanted me to, you know, that was when Hope Grant had first gotten started. Yeah. And they were like, listen, you qualify for Hope Grant. You need to go. You need to at least think about a school in Georgia. Right. I'm like, well, if I go to a school in Georgia, I am not going to a school in a small town in Georgia. I am a city girl. I am staying in Atlanta. I'm well. going to Georgia State. That was it. Um, but FAMU was where I wanted to. When I was younger, I wanted Ooh. to go to Howard. But FAM was like, it. I was going to be a business major. And I applied to both. I got into FAM. Um, I ended up basically kind of having to make the decision, like just financially. It wasn't something that my family um it it, it would have been dicey like because mm-hmm. you would have paid out of state tuition exactly exactly and I, okay. my, you know we we had no means so mm-hmm. you know and my whole thing I had been so used to working I was like if I stay in Atlanta I know I can continue to work and right. support myself versus going down there competing for like the same 10 jobs as everybody else in this small town <laughs> um so small. yeah so that was the decision I made, um, and thank you, Lord. I graduated without any student debt. Hallelujah! So, Listen, right. praise the Lord. Praise Him. Hello, on high. So that's oh, none of the AUC. None of the AUC schools ever entered the conversation for you, Dina. 
they didn't. Clark was too expensive. Again, I knew that at the time. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Jasmine's like, I can write a whole, I can do a doctoral studies on that. Yeah, I knew it was expensive. So that was not, and, and Clark was the only, because Spellman, it was just, it, it didn't pull me. Plus, mm. I, again, I knew I wanted to be a business major. So I was like, okay, their business school is not their jam. It's a, you know, but Clark would have been the one, but Clark was high. And mm. I was like, nah, that's, I'm good. That's fair. But, but yeah, and so I it was under duress. Under duress. <laughs> and I don't know. So you I made was... sound decisions to get to where you are now. Right. Right. It was right. not, I didn't hear duress as much as I heard you made a step, you made a logical processing. A- exactly. Exactly. Know, for what works for you. And exactly. that's the thing about like in terms of the measure of the conversation, you know, I don't ever say you have to go to an HBCU or, you know, you have to do a PWI. It's whatever works for you. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. HBCUs were just where I needed to be at to get mm-hmm. to where I'm at. Mm-hmm. Truth be told, if it were not for an HBCU, I wouldn't be where I'm at. But that I'm not, Yeah, I'm not, yeah. That, that's my story, right? Um, but I do think that there should be some connection to an HBCU. Like if I had kids, because I, you know, me and my partner take, you know, talk about this if we had kids yes we would encourage them to go to an hbcu more than likely help Absolutely. pay you if you went to an hbcu why because there's more resources if you go to a pwi versus the hbcu right? right and of course we're both offended you know we both have ties and affinities to hbcus Absolutely. so we're going to help you pay for an hbcu because we know they're not cheap we know that uh you're going for the experience but um, again, we know that there may not be as many like financial resources that the mm-hmm. school can give to that particular, you know, my child in comparison to like a PWI, there's just a lot more endowment is what they call it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, there's a lot more monies at that institution. Um, what HBCU did you go to, Miss James? Girl, okay, let me run through. <laughs> <laughs> First, I went to North Carolina Agricultural and Technical State University, also known as North Carolina A&T, Aggie Pride. Okay, Aggies. All right, <laughs> Aggie Pride. Um, <laughs> went there um, and best four years of my, I mean, people say this is the best four years of your life, but my God, I would go back in a minute. If I could go back in time, I would go back to when I was a college student. That was the best time. Um then, of course, then uh, I was a trying to be a lawyer because I was a poli sci major at the time. Mm. I was trying to be a lawyer. That didn't work out because apparently uh, me and law schools just don't get along. Um, <laughs> I did not get into any law school that I applied for. So they're lost. Up, listen, <laughs> um, worked as a paralegal for a little bit to see if I can get the experience, which was a blessing because when I worked as a paralegal, I realized I don't want to go. To it's same thing. <laughs> good. This is that's not important. So that, that is important. smart. Mm-hmm. That's a blessing. Mm-hmm. It's a blessing. Listen, and that's why I always encourage my students to do internship, internship, internship. I'm like, you don't know that what you thought you wanted to do, yep. you may not really want to do for real. Like yep. do internships, get work like real life experiences. So I ended up not being a paralegal. Well, I ended up being a paralegal. Didn't want to go to law school. Um, my professors from a and 
who used to call me Little Miss Angela Davis, because, you know, in undergrad, I thought I was just so woke, as a lot of these students think, you know, I'm super woke. Um, I had the Afro, it's just like Black Power shirts and everything, like, I'm still, that's still me, but like, I've toned it down a lot. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, but uh, he was like, why don't you go to Clark? I was like, what? He was a grad, both of them were graduates of what they called Atlanta University before Clark Atlanta merged together. They were graduates of Atlanta University, which was the graduate student. It was like the Harvard, the Black Harvard of the South is what Right, they you had Clark mm -hmm. College and you had Atlanta University and the two merged. Mm -hmm. Yes. So I think it was still Clark College when in the 80s. Yes, yes. It, 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 like 1982 or yeah. when mm -hmm. they merged. Um, child, I should know that, but nonetheless. So they were like, they're graduates of the institution. Why don't you go to Clark? And I'm like, what? So one day we went to a conference. It was a Black Political Sciences Conference um, in Atlanta, Georgia. And we came, to, we went to Clark's campus and I met professors. Um, I met the chair at that, no, the founder, I'm sorry, of the Africana Women's Studies Program at Clark Atlanta University. Mm. And, you know, she definitely was like, it sounds like this is the program for you. But I was like, what the hell am I going to do with a master's degree in Africana Women's Studies? What that look like? What that look like for me? You know, because <laughs> as Black kids, you just, your parents push you to do something that will make money, yep. you know, yep. be a lawyer, be a yep. doctor, go to business school, you yep. know, go into, go into something where you can make money. And right. I mean, I understand generationally, historically, that's yep. why we yep. have to do that. Get so, a good job. Get a good job. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And so for me, um, I didn't see the value in it. I didn't see the monetary value in it. But because I didn't get into any of the law schools that I applied for, I gave it a shot. So I applied, got in. So I got my master's and my PhD. Well, I got my master's at Clark Atlanta University. Then I got stuck because my mentor, who has passed away since then, Dr. Josephine Bradley, mm -hmm. um, she said, so where are you going to go? And I was like, home? She's like, no, you're not. Go on cross street, go and get that PhD. I was like, I don't, I don't want to go back to school. I've been in school for, at that time, 10 years. I was, well, about eight, seven years. I'm tired. I don't want to go. I, you could do another three years. It's fine. She lied and told me it was going to be three years. And it doesn't be but, I'm loving the level of encouragement that you're experiencing. Yeah. I never got that at any school yeah. I've gone to. And I will say that is one thing at HBCU will give their students. I, out of all the people that I know that went to an HBCU, every single person has another degree. Every person that I know that went to an HBCU has mm. another degree. And, be, and I think it's because you have those mentors who don't allow you to just stop at mm -hmm. a bachelor's degree. When they see you and they see potential. Now, mind you, that's not every student at, a, at a HBCU. Let's just be very clear. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, because I even see that now as a professor. Yeah, there's going to be some students. I'm going to be like, honey, go on and get go on and get that. See your way through. Degree, go see your way through. <laughs> right. Just see your way through. Just. There's some, you need to just drop out and go to community college. There's some, just see mm -hmm. your way through, sis, bruh. Mm -hmm. You know, some, but there's some students that you see what they have to offer. And you're like, you need to get a terminal degree. You need to get a master's. You need to get a doctorate. You encourage. That's something I never had a lack of encouragement. And mm -hmm. I think for many of us at HBCUs, when a professor sees you, um, they're going to encourage you to move forward. 
And like I said, I don't know of any person from the top of my head that went to an HBCU in undergrad that is not, that, that, that doesn't have a term, have some sort of degree after, whether it's a master's or a PhD. That's a great point. That's great. I, and again, I didn't experience that at either Georgia State or University of West Georgia, where I went for my master's degree. I wanted to go to Clark for my master's degree. Mm-hmm. But again, the way money. the bank account is, is set up. Listen, <laughs> listen, I wish someone would have told me about that before my dumb tail decided <laughs> to apply. Well, but you got what you were looking for. And I have to I say, have you know, at, at I learned what I needed to learn at West Georgia, mm-hmm. but I have to tell you, I I know that I felt some type of way when I found out from, you know, the white girls, the professors had asked them, you know, about, oh, are you going to go pursue your PhD? Mm-hmm. You should consider our school or you should consider our program, mm-hmm. you know, and even the coursework that, that um, was offered, there was a lack of, I guess, diversity, you know, absolutely. The program requires a multicultural um, <laughs> class. Right. And <laughs> I have to tell you, the one black professor at the school taught the class in the program mm-hmm. at the school in that program, she absolutely. taught the class. Mm. And I often felt like I needed to be the spokesperson because mm-hmm. she did not there was a lot of focus on uh on sexuality and Mm -hmm. gender identity Mm -hmm. and there was less focus on race and ethnicity Mm um was she a black female professor she's black female but she is not Mm african-american she's Ah, not black american got it okay Mm -hmm. okay which is a distinct difference in my Mm -hmm. opinion you know yes we're all black and we're all in the diaspora and what have you but the, the being born black in America is different than very different. It's a different experience mm-hmm. being the Absolutely. child of immigrants or immigrating from, Absolutely. you know, another country. And so, and, and I said that in class, mm. this, you know, professor so-and-so is, is a, is a black woman, but she is not a black, she's not a, an American black Ooh. woman. Well. And, you know, her, her experiences are different. Of course, I said it much more respectfully. <laughs> I just highlighted the difference, you know. I, as you know, as, as I'm an American descendant of slaves. Right. She is not. Right. So we have a difference of perspective. Absolutely. And you know, right. she couldn't deny that. We know? experience America very differently. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. And and it's a it's a mindset. I know. But let's we we get off track. But anyway. <laughs> My point is that, you know, my son went to an HBCU. Mm. It was not his first choice. Where did he go? He went to Johnson C. Smith University in Charlotte, oh, North Charlotte. Carolina. Okay. Mm-hmm. What was his first choice? Probably uh, one of the Cal States. Okay. I can't remember which one. Well, that's um, a heck of a jump. Well, the thing <laughs> and that's the thing. You, you, I will note that when I lived in in Southern California, most of the Black people who had degrees had gone to HBCUs. And everybody else either didn't finish high school or only finished high school or went to a JC. So, but the level of 
resources in California is substantial. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You can have a below a 3.0 GPA and still go to college for free if you go to a state university in California. Mm-hmm. Very much so. Um, so it takes a special type of person to screw that up. <laughs> <laughs> right. So if you miss that window, then you got to start looking elsewhere. And the thing is, your only options if you don't get into a CSU are JC or going out of state Mm -hmm. because all the private colleges are going to have, you know, higher requirements. So my son went out of state Mm. and being that he grew up in, well, he went to school in in a not very diverse area. I was like, if you're not going to Cal State, I need for you to go to HBCU because his foundation of his education, K through four, was at a was at a predominantly black school, all black school, and I he got away from that. So, mm. you know, I wanted him to see, I wanted him to have that experience. I had Hillman. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I had Hillman, mm-hmm. and so I was able to, you know, live vicariously. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I grew up in Atlanta. So of course I had peers and I went to Georgia state and, you know, right. Georgia state, but I hop skipping a jump from the AUC. Correct. And, so, stone's throw. Mm-hmm. and so while I did not attend an HBCU, you know, and I can't say what the experience was of being there. I mean, I grew up in a black city. I, I'm good. Right. I'm good. I would prefer to have gone my, 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 I wanted to go to Hillman. <laughs> Everybody wanted, wanted to go to Hillman. We all wanted to go to Hillman. <laughs> to Hillman. Mm-hmm. And so my mama laughed in my face at the lunacy of me believing that that was an actual school. Mm. <laughs> and so. Well, I mean, what it gave us was an insight into the HBC because before yes. then, you didn't really know what was happening at HBC. No clue. You had, had no parents who attended. Yeah, exactly. And for someone, like, prime example, my parents. Both of them, my dad would, went to the military, so he went to school to, like, I don't even know what school he went to, but he went to a PWI. Mm-hmm. My mom, she did go to a HBCU, um, mm-hmm. but as a, I don't want to say default, but because it was in Fayetteville, she went to Fayetteville State. Mm-hmm. That She was actually pregnant with me, which is so crazy how the universe works, right? So she was pregnant with me when she was at Fayetteville State. She graduated from Fayetteville State with me and her bed. Um, so just, you know, but if you don't have like, but my mother never really talked to me about like her and her experiences at Fayetteville State is very different than my experiences at A&T because she went as an adult Mm. getting a degree so she can get a job. So she Mm -hmm. was a non-traditional student versus me. I was a traditional HBCU student. So what Mm -hmm. a different world did was give us a glimpse into like, what is black, what, what, what did we do at HBCUs? Mm-hmm. And I actually, huh, my first job after I graduated from A&T, um, I was working for the state of North Carolina. And I won't say what department, but I was working for the state of North Carolina. Um, and one of the, you know, this white lady, country white lady, who probably got a high school degree. But she asked me, well, what do you do? What did you do there? I was like, what? In college? Almost as if, like, being at an HBCU, granted, yes, it's different, but I'm like, what do you mean? What did I do? She was like, I mean, you went to A&T. What do y'all do there? And, you know, me being the young 20-something-year-old that I was and with my smart mouth, 
I said, oh, we just sat around and smoked weed and braid hair all day. Right. Um, like what? Sat and played spades <laughs> and, and dominoes and smoked, smoked weed all day. Like that's what we did. And she's like, oh, I said, no, are you serious? <laughs> I said, no, ma'am. I said, we did. I said, what do they do at Georgia? What did, well, at that part, she, NC State. I was like, mm-hmm. what did they do at NC State? What did they do at Duke? What did mm-hmm. they do at UNC? Mm-hmm. I said the exact thing that we did. I said, we did the same thing. I said, the difference is that we're able to connect to our Black African selves in a way that other schools, we may not have that opportunity. But she so, didn't even know what they did at those other schools, your name, because she didn't even go. She you didn't know, go. Exactly. Girl, the way yeah. I was like, what? And I remember that conversation very vividly. So I think with things like a different world, it just gave mm-hmm. us a glimpse into what mm-hmm. what do y'all do at HBCUs or what makes H what do what makes HBCUs different mm-hmm. than a state school? Yeah. What makes it different? But you I, know, I think what one thing that I'm sorry, one thing that I think is um is frustrating and this is what april and i've talked about is the tendency though for us black people Mm -hmm. um to have this conversation of you know kind of like you said earlier Mm -hmm. you know it's a it's a personal choice and different things will um cause you to make these choices but sometimes black people are so almost judgmental of those mm-hmm. of us who don't make the choice to go to an HBCU. Cause it's Absolutely. like, I don't care what's going on. You don't belong in that space. Why right. did you make that choice? Mm-hmm. And um, so that's something even, you know, I have, I have two ki- people that listen all the time. Y'all know I have two kids, one in college, one in high school, mm-hmm. um, girl, boy, a lot of similarities. Cause they, you know, got the same parents. They were raised the same, but that little one was a firecracker. He, that's my little Huey. <laughs> that's my little Huey. He wants to go to an HBCU because he is like, I am tired of these white people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm, I'm tired of them. Yeah. I, I've been going to school with them all my life. Yeah, I want to. And my daughter is little. Do people know? Like she a little undercover Angela Davis. She's Pan African too. She's very wow. aware. But she's just a different type of thinker. And so Mm -hmm. her thing, she applied and looked at HBCUs, but for what she was thinking she wanted to do, um, and just kind of, she's just a different type of thinker. (laughs) So (laughs) her her goals were different. And she was like, she did not, she didn't see herself at an HBCU, not so much because she thought she was going to be different, but that just Mm -hmm. wasn't her purview that just wasn't what she imagined although she you know again right Right. she she goes to her school and you know we can get into that but she goes where she is and she's like she pretty much only around black people in mbsu and doing all this other stuff but she wanted she just wanted a different experience i'm like Uh who am i to tell you um what type of experience you want exactly for college well and it's so interesting that you mentioned the same household because even mm-hmm. with our household, same parents, mm-hmm. same experiences. But my brother, 
ran to well he had a track scholarship so he mm. went to ran literally to <laughs> he yeah. went to where uh western carolina university okay so he went to western carolina and you know where he could run and you know do mm-hmm. what he wanted to do but that was something that he wanted to do he mm-hmm. wanted to run for me i was like your son i was sick of going to school with these white people mm-hmm. I, was, I was like i am over it yeah I need to be and what it was is the and I'll name it it was the trauma of being the only black kid in higher courses right I was always the smart kid yep right I was always again the awkward black girl I was always the smart kid Mm -hmm. so it was but because I was I was plucked out of like my community yep. and put in these higher level courses where yep. I was one of a few black people yep. where we're right reading Huckleberry Finn and these white folks are saying the n-word and I'm looking at me and I'm like you know nothing be bug I was ready to go mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know I didn't know how to fight but I was gonna try <laughs> <laughs> you know because you look you 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 low-key coming for me right. but it's those and not even reading your first novel that's centered around a black person until your junior year right. you know when I read Zero Near First Since Their Eyes Were Watching God and Things Fall Apart those are the only two books that I ever got in high school that's centered around black people right yeah. so Lots it's those, those kind of experiences that run I was running to an HBCU I was yeah. like I need to I know there are black people that are smart like me yeah I would rather be in a group of black people let me just be there. So yeah. we went to A&T. Oh, no, wait. I was going to go to Elon University. And, and that was near, I think, oh, God, it's in Burlington, North Carolina. It's near Greensboro. I went to Elon and I went to A&T. I went on A&T's campus. I met the people and I fell in love. That was said, it. That's where I'm going. Yeah. So your high school, your elementary and middle and high school experiences were not in predominantly white, uh, predominantly Black areas or no no yeah I think there's also that's also the difference mm-hmm. because growing up in Atlanta you're mm-hmm. not missing out on the right. culture at all right and I and I think and I'm I'm sorry to cut you off but I want I do want to say I think that was an interesting thing that Jasmine just said Jamie because, mm, Jamie excuse me that Jamie just said oh I was, I was like is there Jasmine <laughs> I, know, like, what? I don't even know why that came in my mind anyway but that was an interesting thing Jamie just said because again in our household the, the kids, you know, they obviously went to schools that were um, more, you know, had more white people or whatever. But here, it, it's so funny because they will tell you that it's always been when they come home with a project about whatever they have to and they have to pick a person to do something. I'm, I've always been okay. We can find a black person who did that. Like Hello? I always did that, or me and my husband, we always did that in our household. So we're mm-hmm. very. I mean, again, when I say black be black like they always had that experience right. so thankfully it wasn't like our daughter was in a place where she was unsure about her culture like she firmly knew in the Atlanta thing like we always said if you're a black person from Atlanta you're just different like you just look at the world different. your worldview is different you, you very, see it all yeah Atlanta's a unique place in that way yeah. yeah but it's interesting how again two households they both have had that experience of being plucked out and being one of Mm -hmm. a few Mm -hmm. you know black people in their classrooms but she's just a very 
she's a different thinker. You know, my brother's a different thinker too. So April, what were you about to say? Because we'll go back to... No, I was, you know, one of the thoughts that I had, and this is ultimately why I did not end up going to Clark. Well, there was really the reason I didn't go to Clark was because by the time I graduated, I wanted to be a long distance phone call away from home. Mm. Um, And then as soon as I moved, they changed the area code out there to 770. (laughs) And did. Right. But um, I recall being at some kind of workshop, some kind of college workshop. I wanted to go to Hillman. Hillman didn't exist. Hillman was filmed on the campus of Spelman. So I was like, okay, Spelman, Hillman. I'm going to Spelman. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It was at at Spelman, yeah. I talked to a graduate, one of my my high school teachers, which is another thing that we don't see outside of Atlanta often is a lot of Black teachers. One of my high school teachers, she graduated from Spelman. Mm-hmm. I told her she, I wanted to go to Spelman. I told her I wanted to study communications because my parents would not let me study theater mm-hmm. because I need to get a job, as you said. Yeah, got to get a good job. Mm-hmm. Get that job. And so mm-hmm. she was like, well, you can go to Spelman, but you're going to be paying all that money for Spelman and you're going to be taking all of your classes at Clark. At Clark. Mm-hmm. So that's how I got to Clark University. Um, and I wanted to go to Clark. And so I think because I had been thinking about it so early yeah by the end of my freshman year I wanted to go to Clark yeah so by the time I got to my senior year I recall being in this workshop and I was just thinking and asked you know if you go to all black schools elementary middle school high school and then you go to a black college Mm. I'm like I, I just did not personally and I know people have made this argument in my mind I was like Am I going to find a job that's going to be the same kind of environment? Interesting. And yeah. so, and I know a lot of a, a lot of HBCU advocates mm-hmm. uh, dismiss that notion of not being prepared to go into the world beyond right. this black centric mm-hmm. environment that you groomed yourself in. But I have to say, having gone to Georgia State and went and going to school with kids who were in Atlanta public schools, which were very mm-hmm. different from DeKalb where I grew up, yeah. where I was yeah. bused to the north side of the county. Yeah. They didn't get bused in Atlanta. Right. Mm-hmm. So they had a true experience where they were, that was their entire environment. And they mm-hmm. were extremely uncomfortable at Georgia State. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They, yeah. Were, they were extremely uncomfortable. They, they looked at me like I was crazy. They said, hey, you talk around these white folks any kind of way. And I thought, how am I supposed to talk around them? Right. Right. I didn't have some coded language I was using. Now, granted, they came to, they were Freddie Hendricks kids. They came to Georgia State and did amazing things. Mm -hmm. They started their, they started a a black theater organization. Mm -hmm. They, they created the space that they wanted to have at Georgia Georgia State, which is, which was phenomenal to me. I was so impressed with them, but I couldn't help but notice their discomfort Mm -hmm. around Mm -hmm. the other. Which Mm -hmm. I did not have. And so that was not anything that ever that I ever felt burdened by. Now, granted, I also ended up having some pretty off ideologies, you know, (laughs) a little bit later in life. I've come back back around the way where I should be, I think. But we've mm -hmm. all done that. But I think you made a good point in terms of what, you know, we've been socialized and that's, you know, systemic racism. It is right. and white supremacy at its core, you know, thinking that, oh, if you go to, if you're around black people, that there's no excellence there. 
right. if you're around black people, then you're not prepared for the world. And like mm-hmm. you mentioned, like there is a lot of HB and I'm definitely an advocate of that, you know, and I'm a spokesperson. I went to all HBCUs and I teach at white institutions. Right. Mm -hmm. So what does that say? (laughs) Right. In terms of the preparation and what HBCUs give you, Um, because I mean, granted, there was some faulty. There's some things I wasn't prepared for, you know, when I got into higher education, because I went to HBCU for my Ph.D., there were certain things that I wasn't prepared for. Absolutely. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, Prime example, like the publishing process publishing, grant writing, you know, the pro- the process of going through that, I had to do on the job learning. Absolutely. I had to figure that, excuse my friends, I had to figure that shit out, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Because I didn't necessarily get that from my PhD experience um, at an HBCU. However, the level, the, the foundation of my content knowledge was so vast that people were willing to take a chance on me or that people were impressed by my vast knowledge. And I will definitely say that um, even though, yes, I am in gender and ethnic studies, it has very much a black focus because I went to HBCU, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, most of the, and my students appreciate that. Mm-hmm. These institutions appreciate that because they need that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. You have black and brown kids in your desk, yet you don't have black and brown professors teaching them from a black mm-hmm. and brown perspective, mm-hmm. right? So that is one thing that being at an HBCU did give me and did prepare me for. Um, but the, as my colleagues and I say, the business of being in higher education, um, the uh, the process of like publishing and grant writing and what does it mean but tenure what does tenure track mean the business of higher education we were not necessarily privy to but because we got the other stuff we were able to get into the door Mm -hmm. interesting Um, we're able we were able to um and you know we didn't fake it till we make it we didn't have to fake it till we made it we knew our content right and are comfortable in our content yeah i had to we did we had to right Mm -hmm. because we had professors who were drilling in us in a way that so when you go to a PWI and a and a PhD well not even a PhD in a PhD situation going to a, a going to get a PhD at a PWI you may get more the trauma's different. Granted getting a PhD is trauma. Let me just put that on right. It seems like it over and over again. My God. <laughs> getting a PhD is trauma over yeah. and over again. Right. Yeah. Let me just make that clear. But it's a different type of drama. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, there's like a, P, a HBCU, it's a, you need to show up constantly. It's never enough. It's never enough. So my professors really drilled excellence into me. They didn't allow me to get away with just mediocrity, right? Being Hayes, you online. Low key. I say it all the time. <laughs> I don't need to pledge any Greek, okay? Because I got- Pledge PhD. Uh, that's that PhD. <laughs> that was the hazing process. Yeah. True to form. Okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, but Greek organizations are non-hazing organizations. 
but yeah. just got to say that. Says the Greek. Let's just put that on record. As a member of Alpha Kappa Alpha Sorority Incorporated, just got to make that known. Okay. Let's say we got to put that on record before people start being like, we are not basic architecture. What I hear you saying, Jamie, is the level of support that you received really helped instill a level of of confidence and in a strong knowledge base it's kind of okay yes and no. and I have to say that I, I feel like that's where what I did not get and what I wish I had had well, and can I can I insert something else here though too mm-hmm. um something that you talked about Jamie that I think is very interesting mm-hmm. you talked about the knowledge you were able to get from your HBCU experiences mm-hmm. and what well, what I interpreted you saying and how much your students at this PWI mm-hmm. appreciate that knowledge. Yes. Um, I don't, I, I should look, I should remember where these people were educated, but I can, I can share this anecdote. So, so my daughter, um, I don't know if um, April probably shared it with you, but she goes to Princeton. Okay, Princeton. <laughs> so, yeah. she's a different type of thinker. She's a very methodical, that's, Anyway, that was she made a goal. Her, her, she had to get it. But what I think is very interesting about her experience that she talks about, of course, you have um, two names that come to mind: is Ruha Benjamin and Eddie Claude, mm-hmm. our professors of, of African American Studies at mm-hmm. Princeton. Yes, and she talks that. about how their classes, like you can never, and it's another one too. I can't remember. You can never get in their classes. Yeah. Like they're always full because. Yeah. Cause she has tried, she's a rising junior now and she's tried to get into their class. And she like, is you can't like, I, you know, right. she just don't keep trying. Right. Um, but I think it was like, you just mentioned it's a PWI. I mean, one of the oldest PWIs, but these students are clamoring Ivy league. Okay. Right. Ivy. Right. <laughs> They're clamoring to get into those professors classes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So there is, you know, I, I feel like to me, that's a, that's something, again, as older people, we have to be careful about when we're almost admonishing children who make that choice, because she's talked about feeling that sometimes. And, yes. you know, usually she kind of, she brushes it off, but it's like, I'm, I'm not neglecting my blackness. Like I haven't forgot mm-hmm. it. Like I carry mm-hmm. it with me everywhere I go, mm-hmm. you know? And so obviously there are other people on this campus that feel the same way. And they, I mean, it's a lot of white people at mm-hmm. Princeton who are African-American studies majors too. Mm-hmm. Um, Very much so. But we have to be careful about those types of yes. conversations that we have with or around these children you and know because her we always tell her we're like well, you know you had an ivy for the culture girl like you, you that's right. for the culture it's for the culture. Know? i mean here's the thing like okay my baby's at my hbcus bless their hearts like i mentioned when i was at an hbcu i thought i was just super woke i was super woke but there were blind spots right mm-hmm. in my wokeness right. and i like a lot of these kids are in that way they think oh i went to an hbcu so i'm more woke than my my colleagues who went to it. Right. That's definitely a prevailing mindset. Yes. Right. It's it's but there are blind spots. Because and I think there are blind spots, but it's also a sense of excitement. And I think that they're just so excited to be in that space, even though HBCUs have their okay. Um, (laughs) And we'll get to that, I'm sure, momentarily. (laughs) But 
you know, it's just the excitement of being in that space and you're with black professors, you're doing stuff, dealing with it. And let's just be really be very, very, very clear about this. Just because you attend an HBCU doesn't necessarily mean you are grounded in African blackness. Mm. That mm. doesn't always equate. Mm. So most of the time it does, but not mm-hmm. all the time, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And I, but I think, you know, my, my babies, bless their hearts, <laughs> all excited because I see it. My babies, mm-hmm. when I taught at Clark Atlanta University, when I taught at Spelman, the kind of courses that they take, the kind of professors that they have at Spelman College, they have this course called African Diaspora in the World. Oh, yeah. My yeah. God. And they yeah. get it freshman year. Yep, yep. I've heard Be about that. Fire. Okay, because mm-hmm. I taught the course. Mm-hmm. I taught the course for several years. I love teaching the course. And what I always am so mind blown about is that these babies get, by the time they're child they come in knowing absolutely nothing yeah then that because we have them two semesters by the time they get to their sophomore year they 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 know everything they're yeah. about blackness and black people mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. and telling people about themselves they get into arguments with people and i think part of it is the wokeness where they miss the blind spots but it's also the defense that they mm-hmm. have because they do encounter a lot of people who mm-hmm. go to people be wise who look down upon them mm-hmm. so because That's of that true. they're yeah. more defensive yeah. right yep. so they're going to come on the defensive every time yeah <laughs> you yep. know because they're so used to being told you're going to hbcu that ain't nothing and it's you're less than or interesting right so it's Good always point. being on the defenses because i know that's me and my friends who went to hbcus we encountered that and I will never forget, we were at a Christmas party. We were all at home from college. We were woke, <laughs> had, you know, super black, super excited to be super black. Yeah. Because there's a level of confidence and a level of- And pride. Right, and pride. Yeah. It just being at an HBC. Absolutely. And so when you encounter people, because even if those people like your daughter are probably like, no, I'm not that person. We still gonna be like, listen, yeah, yeah, offensive just because we don't know the kind of things you. If you do. loved yourself, if you loved your blackness, right. if you, if you loved your blackness, you go to HBCU. But we right. miss blind spots, right? Yeah. Just like yeah. you know, Dina, you mentioned. Well, shoot, the money, okay, and yeah. working, okay, real life shit, okay. That's how my baby ended up at Princeton, low key. But anyway, right. hello, pride is kept because you talked about them endowments off the top. Hello? They come with the money. (laughs) They come with the coins. (laughs) Comes with the coins, right? Why am I, because even on the flip side, people look at me, well, why wouldn't you teach at an HBCU versus a people? I was going to ask you that question. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's a good one. Well, I can give you a simple answer. HBCUs don't want me. I'm sorry. What do you mean? Which is the sad Mm. thing about it, right? As much as I, I, I wish I could see my, my face is like, huh? I don't. Right, I, they don't want me. And it's, and it's not because I don't have anything to offer. They a is I don't know if they want me because the kind of work that I do, I do black queer stuff, right? Okay. HBCUs are starting to emerge into the queer world and trying to be more inclusive of queerness and gotcha. you know LGBT black LGBT person. It's our black so, homophobia showing up, is what you're telling me, but absolutely. not telling me. Okay, gotcha. Absolutely, mm-hmm. black homophobia <laughs> shows up, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like, yeah, we like your. So this is the conundrum I always come into. 
At HBCU, they love my blackness, don't care for, care for my queerness and mm-hmm. my woman, right? Right, right? My female queerness. Is that the case at Spelman? You said you taught at Spelman. Uh, Spelman is a seniority thing. Okay. At Spelman, it's about, you know, now let me just say Spelman is a wonderful institution for all women's institution. And <laughs> say for a, all women's institution. That's some these disclaimers. Let me just do this disclaimer. It's a wonderful institution of higher education. Okay. Um, but in terms of faculty members, I tried to apply to Spelman several times and never got in. Um, partly because for Spelman, it's about the research that you're doing. And at Spelman, it's about, um, again, seniority a little bit. It's hard to get in at Spelman. And so when you're at Spelman, you don't go nowhere. And I don't blame them. Yeah. You, at, you got at the, you know, number one HBCU in the nation. Right. And you can stay, and it's kind of like you're at a PWI, but you're at an HBCU. So it's like the best of both worlds. So yeah, if I'm in Spelman, I ain't going nowhere. Okay. Right. I'm going to sit right. down. I am going to build a house. I am going to sit <laughs> out. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I get it. So it's, it's hard to get in at Spelman, but it's about, a lot of it's about seniority, the work that you're doing, the research that you're doing. Um, you have to almost be big before you go there. Mm. Mm. In your mm. in your field of study, you have mm-hmm. to, be, or you should, or you should, would have been there for a long time. Someone who's been there for a long time, and then they have seniority, and then they ain't going nowhere. Right. Okay. You had freaking Spelman. <laughs> right. Like where are you going? Well, yeah. what, 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 what's higher? What's higher? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, of course you have the Princetons and the Harvards <laughs> and Harvards and the Vanderbilts and mm. all these Ivy League. And really, what? Let me just say this disclaimer: Ivy League only means old. And it only means endowment. It doesn't equate to the amount of education that you receive. Right. Correct. I think a I lot mean, of truth be told, that. the Ivy League is it's a, it's a football conference. Sports. Yeah. I mean, it's a sports conference. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. It's a sports conference, and it's also essentially the oldest money in yep. America. Yep. Those are the first institutions of America. Those yep. are colonial educated institutions. Yep. So that's why their endowment's so big. Yeah. And so they're Ivy League. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so mm-hmm. you know, it. So that's part of what I had to learn. But nonetheless. So on the flip side, at a PWI, they love my, they love my queerness. They love my mm-hmm. femaleness. They love my queerness. They're like, great, wonderful. Mm-hmm. Blackness, mm, you're a little too black. So mm-hmm. I, I vacillate in these different spaces. So it was really interesting for me, right? So why I don't teach at HBCUs, I would love to teach at an HBCU. But there's a few reasons why I don't. First of all, they don't really want me, right? That's partly. Secondly, the money. I have to be honest. Mm-hmm. When you have spent so much money to get your PhD, you kind of want a financial break. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So PWIs pay me mm-hmm. in a way that HBCUs would not pay me. That's, why we, that's what we just mentioned about the tuition thing. I mean, it's on it's on both sides. It's on both sides, right? Yeah. The tuition yeah. is high, the payment is low for right. faculty. So it's it's very top heavy. I don't, and let me just be clear: a lot of private HBCUs, because like Clark, Spelman, Morehouse, um, those are Morehouse. Those mm-hmm. are private HBCUs. Yep. So mm-hmm. their level of that cost, you're gonna pay private school tuition. Yep. My partner went to Fisk University, private and yeah, yeah. Right? Um, I went to A and T, institution. Yeah. So and my money, state. So right, and it's mm-hmm. state ran. Right. 
um, they're under the state, you know, FAMU technically is the state school. Yes. Yes. But if you win, it would be out of state. Tuition. Yeah, exactly. If Albany State is mm-hmm. in state tuition, like it's in state. So then Howard, all those. Hampton, Howard, Hampton, private, private. private. Howard's private. private. Mm-hmm. A lot of private, a lot of HBCUs are private. Yep. Because once you become a state institution, there's other stuff that comes with yep. that. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, it's again, more money. I didn't. Yeah, granted, I still had to worry about money at AT, but not as much yeah. as like when I went to Clark. Right. My God. <laughs> and then you were out of state when you And went then to I was Clark. out of state. Yeah. I was out of state. Yep. But Clark's a private school. So regardless, yep, 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 I still yep, gotta regardless. pay. You know, regardless, I still have to pay. So yep. I it was so it's not being wanted. It's a, you know, that black homophobia showing up, like you mentioned. It's money. PWIs, I went to, I started teaching at Kennesaw State University. Hmm. Shout out to the hmm. Owls. Um, they loved it. Their eyes, they call it interdisciplinary studies department. Loved me. Oh my God. Love mm-hmm. You can teach mm-hmm. black studies. You can teach women's studies. This is great. Because what PWIs love to do is get a bang for their buck. So when they see people like us that yeah. can teach, oh, you can teach black studies and gender women's studies. Yeah. Oh yeah, we need her. Yeah, that's yeah. more bang for our buck, right? Yeah. Like, and she's a black woman. Black and she's a black woman. woman. Like, she bring checks all in. the boxes. She <laughs> yeah. all the, bring her in, and she's mm-hmm. queer. Bring her in, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Um, at VCU, same thing. Yeah. My class is called Black Queer Politics, so I teach poli sci, black mm-hmm. studies, mm-hmm. gender mm-hmm. women studies. Mm-hmm. They're different. So, because of that, Black Queer Politics. That sounds interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a really dope class. It's really dope. My my mm-hmm. students are very revolutionary. Again. Super woke. My students are just, mm-hmm. <laughs> I always tell my students, oh, y'all just woke AF. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's my little joke with them. I'm like, y'all just woke AF. I'm just, I'm just trying to keep up. I'm trying to keep up with y'all, <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, but, you know, I, I, it's a very interesting course. They're very revolutionary. But like, yeah, there is definitely a, um, that's part of the reason why I don't and why I just haven't. The, H, the PWIs love me for some reason. And that was something I didn't realize until I started teaching at Kennesaw. Then I went to UNLV. I went to the University of Nevada, mm. University of Nevada at Las Vegas. Mm. Again, I could teach in multiple things. I can mm-hmm. teach gender women's studies and I can do black studies. Mm. So gender ethnic studies. Oh, they loved me. Oh, go over there, girl. Um, but I was not going to stay in Vegas because I'm a, I'm a Southern girl through and through. Okay. Right. Hence right. where my research came in. I'm, um, <laughs> that's not... Who child? Vegas was not for me. Okay. Um, I said, mm. I love the school. I love my department. I love the school. It's hot out there. But it's hot. Okay. It's All a different time. type of heat. It's a different type of heat. All the time. Hot. I need some moisture in my heat. Okay. That's dry heat. I need some moisture in my heat. I can't. <laughs> not some I moisture. My, I need some humidity. I could not. When I came to Atlanta, I was like, oh my God. Sweats. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I got some, got some moisture on my skin. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Then I uh, went to, and then of course now at Virginia Commonwealth University, which is a wonderful experience. And what I'm getting there is something that I wouldn't be able to get at any place else because I'm able to be black and queer at the same time, Lovely. Mm-hmm. Um, which is wonderful. I, I absolutely love it. And even the program I'm under, I'm technically what they call an IQ scholar. So um, is a program that they have at VCU that um, essentially 
Chad, well, does community engaged research in various areas. And so they try to bring in people from different departments, different disciplines, disciplines that are essentially underrepresented, under, you know, under-researched, they try to bring to the institution. Um, so I'm in a core called the, the intersection of the lives of LGBT QIA plus persons. So it's an mm. opportunity for me to be black and queer and do research on black and queer persons. Mm. So um, that's what I absolutely love about where I'm at now. And that's the reality is that unfortunately going to the problems that HBCUs have, we need to move forward mm-hmm. in terms of our curriculum. Yeah, right. We right. can't rely on the historic, but for so long, right? And yeah. the historic, we still need that. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. But yeah. there, we still need to get with the times. I read not too long ago that Clark is just now building, and this came from, I guess, the Miss, the Miss Freshman, no, Miss CAU, creating a program for incoming freshmen for gender nonconforming students, right? Mm. That should have been there. Well, and you know, it's Morehouse. <laughs> Morehouse just, um, I think mm-hmm. Morehouse and Spelman just um, clearly delineated who they would accept and who they would not. And you have mm-hmm. to identify as male and, so, and, and yeah, identify as female, and I, which I think is very embracing because one of yeah. the biggest issues I find with Black women in particular, not even just Black women, because this is where um, the Harry Potter chick got in trouble at, as well as Chimamanda in terms yeah. of um, not identifying trans women as women, mm-hmm. as, exactly. as whole women, I think is right. one of the languages that they that they use. Um, and so I appreciated that that those women are welcome at Spelman and those men are welcome at at, Spel- at Morehouse. But the, the sad thing about it is, oh my God, it's 2021. Yeah. 2021. Mm-hmm. It's like when it comes to gender fluidity, gender identity, you know, LGBT populations, and even inclusive of white immigrant populations, disability, you know, abilities and things of that sort, we are definitely behind the curveball. So other, I don't know, I only know the women's colleges here in Georgia, Agnes Scott, Wesleyan, I think Bryn Mawr is a women's college. Have they welcomed? um, Oh yeah. Trans women who identify as women. Oh yeah. And what about the issue there? Uh-huh. Agnes Scott, well, I can only speak for Agnes. Well, Agnes Scott has always been very progressive. They're very yeah, progressive. Agnes Scott's yeah. always been very progressive. And that's a beautiful mm-hmm. campus too. Oh my God. I taught a let again. That's where I, I should have went to school. school. Oh, Jesus. Agnes, Agnes Scott, you talk about the money, but they yeah. have money. Well, I went to Brunel. Yeah. I went to Brunel and oh, okay. that was a different experience, but I was not. I, I was not progressive she, enough. She yet. didn't re- realize that she needed to be in the city. Ah, uh, that's really what at the time. That's, really that's what, what I said. Needed. You needed to be in the city. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's part of the reason why, unfortunately, I'm not at an HBCU. Um, I told Ebony that uh, my partner that I would love to be at an HBCU um, if given the opportunity, um, but. I think the HBCUs have a lot that they need to work out for me, particularly for new junior faculty. There's a lot that needs to be worked out. Mm-hmm. And your tenure travels with you, correct? Yes. Well, no. no it, it, ish. It depends on the institution you travel, you 
connect to. Um, right now, I'm technically not tenure track. I'm working on tenure track. Um, I should be getting something soon, so I can't formally announce it. <laughs> um, that's why I was like, technically, I'm not tenure track um, at this point, but hopefully within the next few but days. But would you leave a tenure <laughs> position to go to an HBCU without tenure? No, it would have to be tenure. Mm-hmm. And that's the other part is that HBCUs, their tenure process is tricky, right? Which is where Nicole Hannah-Jones comes in in terms of mm-hmm. why people might be having some issues with her. I get where people come from. The people that are at Howard might have some disdain about the situation. I can mm-hmm. see where they're coming from because if I am a non-tenure track faculty member and um, if I'm a non-tenure track faculty member um, at Howard and I see this person coming in with tenure track, I'm going to feel some type of way, right? Yeah. But, at the but she's also time, creating a whole new school. They don't have a school of journalism at Howard. Absolutely. And absolutely. so how many more positions are going to be opened up and how many, you know, mm-hmm. positions of those will be tenure absolutely. for professors coming in? So absolutely. I mean, and from her perspective, I get it. I'm not to even if I love my HBCUs, even if, because here's the thing, Nicole Hannah-Jones said, F that job. Mm-hmm. And she said, F the PWI, <laughs> right? She did. But I think that she loved and that, that she loved, right? You, this is not, this is an institution you love, but I think part of where the interesting part of that conversation comes in is that, you know, Nicole Hannah-Jones, Dr. Jones, going from UNC, she's not leaving UNC without going to another tenure track position. Even Absolutely not. You. I'm sorry. <laughs> if I'm at VCU with a tenure track position, and if I decide to apply for Spelman, the Spelman position is going to be tenure track, period. Because do you know how much it takes to get tenure track? Yeah. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. I'm not going to dismantle that news. Absolutely not. Nope. So you mentioned your research and I want to kind of end on this note. Um, what are you working on currently? And is this part of your process for tenure track? Absolutely. So right now, um, my current research focuses on the experiences of Southern Black queer, well, Black queer, lesbian women and persons living in or from the American South, framing the ways in which the South molds and shapes the ways um, Black female queerness is actualized. Um, This particular work I'm uh, focusing on, it's called Snapping Beans, uh, Voices of a Black Queer Lesbian South, um, inspired by one of my favorite Black female gender consciousness scholars, um, Anna Julia Cooper. Um, because her text is Voices of the South. So I'm mm-hmm. asking Voices of a Black Queer Lesbian South. Um, so I'm really excited about that particular, it's a manuscript that I'm working on that focuses on the on that those experiences. Um, I had the idea of adding the social, economic, and political experiences that Black Queer Lesbians <laughs> have, but there's a lot. I was about to say, this you got a like, lot going on. Overwhelming. It's <laughs> a lot. It's a lot. Um, <laughs> So now it focuses on the church specifically. Um, And I always wanted to do that, um, (laughs) but unfortunately I never, um, I always wanted to focus on one thing at a time. So um, 
yeah, that was essentially what. The I last I spoke to you, you were way over in your word count. So sounds like you got a couple of books you can be pushing a out. A couple of books. I definitely have a couple of books now. I'm so thankful that. And, you know, one of my mentors simply had to tell me, Jamie, you're going to be doing this for a lifetime. You mm-hmm. don't have to put everything you know in this one book. Mm-hmm. You're going to have multiple books. And first of all, when you tell me I have multiple books, I almost have a panic attack because doing one is enough. Uh, <laughs> doing one is enough. You want me to do but I do have probably two other projects one you want to do your research justice and be able to speak to it and you know in totality exactly um but she's like you can't do it all in one book because again you have a word count what they don't tell you again part of the learning process what they don't tell you is when you you know apply for when you give a book proposal you say that it's going to be this amount of pages and they say, no, it's going to be this amount of pages Mm -hmm. (laughs) because we have to pay for this. So Mm -hmm. what we tend to pay for is this. And so when I got the word count that really changed my life, I said, "Mm." (laughs) I can't do everything I want to do in this book, which was a blessing at the same time too, because that would be the second book. So this book will be focusing primarily on the church and social, actually not just the church, but social environments of the South. Um, and then the second book will focus on economic and political experiences. Of- Wait, social. So did you get any women who had experiences with um, Black Greek letter organizations speaking? I have not, but that would be some, that would be an article I do want to work on mm-hmm. because I see that very frequently. And I'm like, mm. so that definitely will be an article. Like I said, <laughs> this is going to be life work. This is going to be life work. Um, So that would be the second book that I'm thinking about. And then the third one will be about the Generation Z folk. Because I spoke to a lot of um, people who are in Generation, you know, Y, Millennial. Um, I have not spoken to any boomers. So I would love to speak those blind spots that we don't get with Black Queer Studies, i.e., the newer generation, the Generation Z that were, you know, these generations, these young babies. Mm-hmm. they deal with their actualization they're, so they're just mm-hmm. very different mm-hmm. in a way and I had to name that in the in the manuscript that you know I don't have a lot of people from that generation and so that's going to be the next work between the boomer and generation z I do want to have something on both of those populations okay. so um that's going to be the next work but that's that life work mm-hmm. life's mm-hmm. work Thank you so much, you guys. Thank you, Dr. Canty, for speaking with us. Dr. Canty is the assistant professor at Virginia Commonwealth University, who specializes in gender and ethnic studies with a concentration of Black queer studies. And again, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. And thank you for having me and thinking about me. Um, You know, and shout out to Dr. Jones, who decided to take the bold step and say, F that job. Right. It's hard when yeah. I know that she left UNC and, you know, being from North Carolina, I'm a Tar Heel girl, you know, yeah. I love me some, you know, yeah. <laughs> it's UNC and Duke that you choose. Yep. And yep. I'm definitely a Tar Heel girl. So I was like, you left UNC, but I was like, she wants to be able, what I told when I was talking to my, my parents about it, I said, she wants to breathe. Mm-hmm. She wants to be able to I breathe. I got to breathe. Mm-hmm. She wants to breathe. Mm-hmm. There goes that song you're waiting for, Dina. <laughs> I know, I see. Back up off of me. <laughs> my sister, my good sister, Tony Braxton. Oh. All right, thank you, Miss Jamie. I'm going to put a button on it right there.
if y'all, I'm, I really enjoyed this. Thank you for having me. I'm humbled. Thank you. We'll have to bring you on again when you do when you finish seven things. Yeah, Thank when I finish you. the single manuscript. But anyway, it was so good seeing y'all. Please let me know if there's anything else you need. Dina, thank you. It was so nice meeting you. Nice meeting you too. Nice thank you. Thank you. All right. Bye. Bye. That was fun. That was. You know, one thing we didn't talk about was you had mentioned during show prep, the topic of having a choice. What were you saying about that? I think one thing that also annoys me whenever we have this conversation is that People seem to, the people that are so, so pro HBCU, and I hate to say it like that because that makes it seem like I'm not, but hopefully, you know, people receive it in the context in which I'm saying. But part of the beauty now is that, you know, our kids have choices. Like once Mm. upon a time, they didn't, we didn't have choices on the types of institutions that we could attend. And I feel like that's a large part of what you know our people were fighting for once upon a time right Right. it's the choice to be able to be and go where you want it to be and where you want it to go so why is it that we try to negate you know that line of thinking I'm glad Um, you mentioned that when she talked about her mom going to Fayetteville stay I thought about um my parents you know my mother didn't grow up in the south so she just went to a state university at up um, in Connecticut where she's from but my dad he's from South Georgia mm-hmm. and you know I think UGA didn't start accepting um, black students until the early 60s mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, Hamilton Holmes and Charlene Hunter Galt right so yeah my dad went mm-hmm. to Morehouse because I mean it was like what 1964 65 where was it where else was he gonna go to college right right because he wasn't going to go to no UGA and they had only been, been accepting black kids for a few years. Right. So, um, yeah, and even my, my closest friend, her mom went to Emory. And I know mm-hmm. that has, she was one of the first students to integrate at Emory. Mm-hmm. And Jamie told the story about somebody asking, what did you do? <laughs> what did right. you do there? Right. She actually had somebody ask her, this only person who befriended her at the whole school and she believes that the person befriended her for the this reason only was to ask the question, How do, do you, you all have do you all have tails? Mm. Mm-mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-mm. And of course, dear mom said, Well, we do, but we cut them off during the rites of passage ceremony. <laughs> but up. Yeah, but she said in Emory, wherever she would sit, everybody would move. She would get to the class first and she would sit where she mm-hmm. wanted to sit and there would be a ring around her of empty seats. Mm-hmm. Well, but see, now you're 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 talking about now you're doing an argument unconsciously for people to be like, well, why would you choose to right. be in that situation? So I don't again, know why, you know, it's interesting. It's interesting in the 60s, you know, because her siblings went to HBCUs. But, you know, when you're talking about the 60s, integration was such a big deal back then. And, you know, I can't say why she would choose to go to Emory over over a Spelman or over a Clark back then, being from Atlanta. Um, But at the end of the day, what you just started off saying was, we now have the right to choose. 
Right. And I think that's what this whole thing is about. That's the most important part. Being able to choose where you go. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah. For whatever reason, sometimes misguided, but sometimes more thoughtful. But you know, I I just I thank God for the fact that we have the option. Yeah. So hallelujah. All right, Miss Dina, what's your outro, girl? All right, girl. So initially I was gone do uh mr two chains is it mr two chains master two chains i don't know two chains uh-huh. money maker song since we were talking about hbcus but i think the better message came towards the end of the conversation when y'all uh-huh. mentioned uh nicole hannah jones just wanting to breathe uh-huh. so like your girl tony braxton i know that's your boo listen said i gotta breathe back up off of me i just got to breathe nicole and hannah jones really said let me go yeah through yeah. producers so that that's that's the outro tony praxton please well thank you guys once again for listening we so appreciate your tuning in remember to make sure that you share an episode with a friend hell share too what else all, uh, share the whole whole thing just send the link <laughs> yeah um so we're available know. on social media social media spike sweet tea on all platforms twitter and facebook and instagram instagram yep so just uh you know take a listen and y'all be safe out there mm-hmm. we're going in the wrong direction with this stuff so wear your masks wash your hands and use the good sense that's it that's it all right y'all go and be great y'all go be great